Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred Conversations, the show where we shine a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we delve into their journey, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Together, we'll break down stigmas and celebrate resilience. I'm your host, Aubrey Baptista, and today we have a truly remarkable guest with us. Emily Morris, a warm-hearted and authentic therapist right here in North Carolina. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Emily. Your dedication to helping individuals navigate through transitions and heal from childhood trauma is nothing short of inspiring. Could you share a little bit more about your journey and the passion that drives your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my journey has been quite a, a winding one. Um, I... I think I, I started becoming interested in working in the mental health field when I was watching a, an episode of Grey's Anatomy, believe it or not. Um, they they had a therapist come in and do some work with some of the doctors. And I just thought that would be the most fun and fulfilling job to have. And so went to school up in Tennessee and kind of palled around doing different um, community mental health work as well as working in um, a few different residential treatment facilities for addiction. Um, and luckily, whenever uh, we made the move to North Carolina, it sort of just worked out for me to get into clinical practice. So I've been doing that now for the last uh, going on two years um, at, a, at a really great practice in, in Durham. Um, and yeah, I'm just now in the process of actually starting my own practice that'll be, uh, I'll be hitting the ground running with that the first of the year. So I'm really excited um, to, to get that going. And I'm really grateful to you, Aubrey, for having me uh, so that we can talk a little bit about all of this. Yeah, well, sort of like welcome to the private practice world. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for you, you're on like the, the, you're in the really anxiety provoking period, right? Where it's like, you yes. haven't quite gotten established yet. Right, right. Yeah, I'm very much in the process of really having to dig deep to figure out um, what the best road is for me in terms of, you know, things like establishing um, a niche or a specific population I like to work with and figuring out, you know, how do I, how do I market that and make sure that people are aware, like I'm here, I have availability and, and I'm really passionate about, about doing this work. I really love working with, um, with young adult women or female identifying folks, um, particularly around things like 
with uh, transitions in life, like going to college or moving away for the first time, relationship issues, things like that. So it, it certainly has been a process uh, of trying to figure out, you know, how do I do this and how do I find that, that strength and that inner voice within myself that'll sort of combat the the fear and the anxiety because it can be really scary to to go out on a limb but I, i'm ultimately very very excited about being able to do this yeah what is it that you feel like um is is kind of like pulling you towards or pushing you towards um specifically you said like the women that are going through transitions um in general like what's what's um you said you're really excited. I want to know more. Like, what's pushing you? Yeah. I think, I mean, really what it comes down to is so much of my own personal life experience has been about learning to adapt. I, I've i had to adapt ever since I was, oh my gosh, two years old to such major changes in the structure of my family and my, my living environment and have had to go through my own process of learning how do I develop and maintain myself regardless of the changes that are happening around me what are the things i have to do to make sure that i have boundaries that i'm protecting myself um and also that i'm i'm not so rigid in those things that i cut off uh the most important things which in my life have been connecting with other people in a way that's healthy and fulfilling and so i think um i i really came into into my own in those years uh, toward the tail end of college and then in the years since then. Um, and it's just such an exciting time, I think, for people. You know, you're, you're, you spend your whole life, or at least I know this is true for me, right? Spent my whole life growing up thinking, God, I just can't wait. I cannot wait to, to get out and do my own thing and make my own way. And the reality of doing that is so different I think than than what a lot of people anticipate, and so the idea of being able to be a person that others can go to and find support and find um, some sense of direction—that's really neat to me. I, I'm always so honored when people trust me with that part of their lives because it's so important and so delicate. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that is the best way that I could describe what what makes me excited about that population specifically. Yeah. You're talking about like that process of developing into who you're going to be, mm-hmm. you know, for a longer period of time, which is really happening in like that age of like, you know, mid twenties, give or take. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And, and I think it, we're, we're lucky, I think to be in a place now where the expectations for young women are, slowly but surely changing and we have a little bit more time to to be able to think about that and to experiment with what we want and what we don't want and, and really develop that identity um so it, it it feels really really cool to me to get to be kind of a sounding board and also just like a soft landing place for people to work through that um yeah i, I really love that what do you think right now are some of the biggest challenges that young women are facing? Oh my gosh, I could probably talk about that all day. Let me see if I can narrow it down to, <laughs> to just a couple. Um, I, 
what I see a lot of is young women um, trying to figure out how to be a boundary person, um, again, in, in a way that doesn't completely restrict their relationships with other people, that trying to find this balance of um, how do I know what I will and won't tolerate from other people um, when the, the world outside of me is constantly trying to influence that, that boundary. Um, I, I think that. Are we that, sort of talking about how like women have a lot of expectations placed on them for yeah. who, who they're going to be, how they're going to be and yes, exactly. for her to try to navigate, like who does she want to be? Yes. Yes. That's such a great way to summarize that. Exactly. We, I mean, it's no secret to anybody. I'm sure we've all seen the Barbie movie and America Ferreira's monologue about you have to be this, but you can't be that. You have to be this, but you can't be that. Um, And, you know, I, I always joke that if I hadn't been born in this exact time in history, I probably would have been burned at the stake for pushing the boundary of what was acceptable for women. And and I think that the young women are trying to find like, what, what is it that actually works for, for me beyond just what I've been told I, I have to do and I have to accomplish and, and all of that. So I, I think it's a, a fun, a fun population to work with. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder like, and I had another guest on here. Um, we were talking about like LGBTQ it makes me wonder like, you know, how those, how the intersectionality of different identities merge for people and finding that self-acceptance. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the, the idea of like, what does it mean to, to be a woman? What does it mean to accept femininity and also to accept masculinity? It's so complex and so personal for, for each individual. Um, And I don't, I don't pretend to be the ultimate expert on that. But, but the idea of, again, just finding that balance for yourself, despite the external pressures and what might be coming from friends, from family. I mean, not to mention the social media influence that that we're all sort of under these days, it is a, a really tough road to walk, I think, for a lot of people. And and it's not one that those people need to walk alone if they feel like they do need support um, in navigating all of that. You know, I genuinely wonder if it, maybe I'm gonna put a post up about this on one of our boards somewhere, is, is, is literally every single therapist out there working with their client on how do I scroll less? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, I even, um, you know, sometimes from time to time, people will reach out to me uh, between sessions and send me like a meme or a, a TikTok or something. They're like, this is exactly what we were just talking about. <laughs> so I, I, I hear you. I hear you for sure. So with these women that you are working with, going to be working with, like how do you envision or how do you like tie in some of these modalities that you've become equipped with, like EMDR, equine assisted therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, so when I was doing the equine assisted therapy specifically, I was in a, an internship. And honestly, if anybody listening has the opportunity to participate in that, I think 
It's one of the most powerful things you can do. So just a quick aside and endorsement for equine assisted therapy there. It's not something I'm currently doing um, in my practice, but in terms of EMDR, CBT, um, EMDR specifically uh, as a, a method for treating trauma is just so effective and it seems to work in a way that that's a little bit, I mean, not for everybody, but, but for a lot of folks, it's just a lot faster. So they're able to process this trauma a lot more quickly on a, on a level that creates physical changes in the brain, as opposed to just sitting there and kind of talking and talking and talking and hoping that that um, will get the person some relief. And most importantly, I think when, when we're looking at traumas that there's, there has been an idea in the past, thankfully this is changing, that that trauma has to be some huge extreme thing that's happened to a person, you know, like going off to war, being attacked or, you know, that that sort of thing. And that's just not the case. There are so many little pieces of being a, a human growing up and, and living in a world that um, at this point, move so much more quickly than where than we've evolved to to handle, um, and and yeah. so we pick up these little these little bits, and those things stick with us, and they can feel so subtle and so normalized to us that we don't realize that those are the things um, that are that are having a negative influence on our behavior or, or on the, the outcomes that we have in life. So EMDR, I find to be a really effective way of just deconstructing some of what we grew up thinking, well, that's just normal or that's just how it is. I just feel that way because X, Y, and Z, and there's something wrong with me that I can't get over that when that's not the case. I mean, none of us get out of our childhood completely unscathed. And so it's up to us when we have that that recognition to to look into that and EMDR I find is a really powerful effective way to do that yeah what um what came to my mind was that we were just talking about technology and literally just scrolling your phone and not having enough time to process through an image or something that you read that like connected in a certain way that those thoughts or memories, they can get stuck in different ways where we don't even realize that they're stuck. Yeah, exactly. You're taking that information in and not having a a filter necessarily or not, not by any fault of your own, but, um, but just having that constant information overload is not, it's not at this point what we are designed to, to take in. And so kind of like you were saying, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the scrolling and scrolling and all the social media and internet stuff. I mean, it can have a really major impact that, that we don't even realize it's having until you've, you know, there's the metaphor of the, um, the frog in the boiling water. If you try to dump a frog into a pot of water, that's already boiling, it'll jump right back out. But if you slowly turn up the heat, right, the frog doesn't realize that it's in boiling water until it's too late. And that is, I think exactly what what happens with folks whenever they are taking on all this extra information that just doesn't serve them or that doesn't have that they don't have the bandwidth to fully process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So our episode is recorded about two weeks before 
when it comes out. But um, so this week I had a couple of different clients uh, bringing up the situation that's happening in Israel and, you know, talking about anxiety that that brings up. And, um, you know, it's a challenging issue because it's a world issue. It's an, it's an important issue, but at the same time, like, doesn't bear much like immediate um, like change to anybody's daily, like day-to-day types of stuff. Um, I have my way of kind of addressing that. I was curious how you address, you know, situations that come up that are like that. They're sort of traumatic in their Mm -hmm. secondary, like sort of distance kind of way. And you mean how I handle that for my own sake or how I handle that with clients? Well, since you brought it up, why don't you answer both? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do I do? Well, for one, I I have a handful of self-care activities that uh, that I try to rely on that involve um, some kind of movement. I find that when I'm able to like move my body in some way, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going outside and running like a 5k every day. That's <laughs> you won't catch me doing that, but just something like getting out with my, with my dogs or um, getting up, making sure my environment is how I want it to be so that the, the small piece of, <laughs> the small corner of the earth that I get to inhabit has some kind of structure and some kind of inherent safety in terms of like how I perceive it. Um, I'm trying to think if there are other things. I mean, I think it's important as a therapist, whether or not um, there are these major world events that, that, um, are going on which kind of seems like all the time anyway these days um is to maintain a relationship with my own uh therapist somebody that i've been seeing for years she's awesome shout out peg love her um yeah so kind of some of the same things that i would do for myself are the things that i would uh, maybe recommend for a client sort of depends on uh, their preferences and their their abilities but i think really asking themselves or what I would do with the client is kind of help guide them through the process of figuring out, you know, when you're, when you're considering these events, what is it about them that, that is really feeling like it's activating you? You know, is it the the fear that, oh gosh, what if this comes back to our side of the world or um, just the heartache for, for what, the people that are directly experiencing that, what they're going through, you know, figuring out what it is about this that's really activating for for you and for your nervous system. Um, And then once you've kind of got a a somewhat of an idea of that, figuring out what is one thing or a couple of things that I could do to, to help kind of bring my nervous system back down. And I mean, gosh, you can Google, there are probably 10 million different coping techniques that people can can use but um some of the ones that i use frequently with folks are uh, like guided visualizations um also if if a person is getting to a point where they're feeling like really panicked um we'll do some some vagus nerve work where we try to sort of reset um that nerve that's responsible sort of for for all those um uncomfortable feelings. So that might be things like um, holding ice cubes for for a minute, doing some 
uh, guided deep breathing, things like that. Awesome. Those all sound super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps too to, to ask yourself, you know, what, where this is concerned, like what is in my control here and the things that you identify as being in your control to actually take some action with that implement, whatever is possible for you. Um, whether that's, you know, having some boundaries about how, how much time you're spending looking at, um, looking at the news or watching TV or, or whatever, knowing where your threshold is for that and really honoring that having some boundaries, not necessarily even with, with others, but with yourself of like, okay, this is where I know the line is for me on this. So I'm going to focus on what I can control and do some work around, around, um, releasing the need to, to have control of the rest of it, because that really is where I see people getting into a situation where they're feeling a lot of helplessness, a lot of pain. Um, and, and that's tough. That's a really tough place to be. Yeah, for sure. Especially witnessing some both uncontrollable and really painful events that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's hard to be, um, a, a person in this, in this world right now. And, um, yeah, I just really encourage people listening to know that like, you don't, you don't have to suffer. There are a lot of, of people out there that are able to help and able to meet you where you are. Like, for instance, I do, um, my practice is entirely virtual. Um, so I can meet people wherever they are literally and, and metaphorically as well. So there are people out there, you really don't have to, to suffer forever. There's, there are solutions and there are people out there to help. Awesome. Emily, how can people find more information about you, get in contact with you, social media, website? Oh, absolutely. So my website is uh, www.sessionswithemily.com. Um, I also have an Instagram. Uh, I don't use it a ton, but I do have one if you want to find me on there. It's the same. It's just at sessions with Emily. Um, yeah. And all my contact information, you can find out more about uh, my specialties, my education. I have a couple of um, photos of my dogs on my website, which I personally think are very cute. <laughs> yeah. That, that's probably the quickest way. All my other information like email and uh, phone numbers, all that uh, is pretty readily available on my website. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Um, this has been Kindred with Aubrey Baptista. Um, for those of you who really like this show, go ahead on to bizradio.us. Be sure to like and subscribe um, and listen to some of our other episodes. The one that I referenced earlier with, was an episode with Brianna Hicks. Okay. Well, thanks again, Emily. Take care, okay? Thank you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.